Good morning, church. I haven't been able to say that with looking at faces in a long time. Other than this group, I get to look at them for the last 11 weeks. I couldn't believe it when I, I did the math, and I'm like, 11 weeks that we haven't been uh, together. Together in the in the idea of being able to see each other face-to-face and voice-to-voice. And, and I'm telling you, uh, you can actually turn on online church any week. It's not like it's new in the last 11 weeks. You could have done that for years and years. I remember all the way back when I first became a Christian in Los Angeles, I could turn on Lloyd Ogilvie, if you remember that name, and watch TV church. You could have done that. But there is something impactful in the church world about face-to-face and voice-to-voice and spending that time together. In fact, I believe so strongly when I read God's word that if you take that out of the church, you have actually ceased what the church can become and what the church can be and really what God has designed the church to accomplish. And so it's a a blessing to be back here. Now, with all that said, uh, let me make sure I'm clear with you this morning. The church never closed, right? I, I mean, God's church never shut down. We say words like reopen, and I understand what we're saying, and that's fine. But it's not correct in that the church never closed down. In fact, Lot has been open every day with the opportunity to go serve and bless people by handing out food and and blessing them in that way. Your neighborhood has someone who's needed you to find them and to bless them and serve them and care for them. We learned about that last week. In the video, if you haven't seen that, go back and and view last week's service. All of this opportunity has been there. But that's not to minimize the impact of what this is on us. What coming together and being face-to-face, voice-to-voice, where we can actually encourage one another, challenge one another, and then send each other out. So this morning, I want to share with you one verse. And I want to talk uh, in this message Uh, And I want to frame it around this verse, but I need to go a couple different directions to get back to this verse. So if you just allow me a little bit of leeway on that. This is the verse. It comes from the book of Genesis, uh, verse or chapter one. So we're talking way back here in the Bible. It's in verse 26. It says this. Then God said, God is speaking here. If we remember uh, a couple weeks ago in the message that we talked about, we talked about that word Torah, right? And eventually the word Torah got translated into mean the law or the law of Moses in the Old Testament. And so you read through those, those law verses that are not overly exciting, and you think, oh, that's Torah stuff. Torah stuff is not exciting. But in reality, the word Torah simply means the word of God, when God speaks. And so here is the first time we actually find uh, that, that God is going to speak in, in connection with humans. It says, then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. And this is impactful. In fact, sometimes you might have read over it, uh, just blitz, because you're like, yeah, you got God created. That's, that's great. I know that part of it. You know, I've been around the church long enough. But don't miss what he's saying here. God is saying, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. A couple things that come to mind quick, and then I need to go a couple directions. The hour is important. Our, not H-O-U-R, right? Our, O-U-R, us. It's like when you say, hey, that's our pet, meaning that's the whole family's pet. We're about to get another dog in our household, right? All right? And actually, the other members of my family are using the word our uh, very strongly. I'm still using the word your when I'm talking to my family. Your dog. 
when it's walk time, your dog. When it's food time, your dog. When there's poop on the carpet, your dog, right? Um, maybe I'll come around to our, our, us. Don't miss that word in scripture. <laughs> that is so impactful that actually in the very beginning when God is introducing the creation of humans, he is doing it in the context of saying, let them be like us. Whatever we put in them, I want that to be like, like, like who we are. That's pretty amazing. In fact, he's speaking to an us, an hour, meaning there was already some form of unity, family, or community that already existed before humans ever came into the picture. And then the second part, don't forget this, he says, in our image, in our likeness, that you and I, humans, were originally designed exactly in the image and likeness of God. Now, that doesn't mean you were God. Some have warped their theology to think at some point you can become God. You just have to keep going on this journey of getting close to God, and one day God will elevate you the same as he did Christ. Never going to happen. We don't see it in Scripture. But you were made in God's image. Like your child that was created in your image, in your likeness, when we look at your child and go, yep, that's their child. I mean, just look at the way they behave, right? Or act or tilt their head or all that kind of stuff. You were made, and I was made in this image and likeness of God. What is the image of likeness of God? It is this beautiful holiness that who God is. Holiness of action, holiness of heart and love, holiness in, in just everything he does. And you and I were created in that image. Well, something came along that botched both of these. It botched the hour, the community, and it botched this image of God, and you know it is sin, right? And we, we talk about that often as a church. It disrupted all of this. In fact, in the beginning, God's plan was not redemption at creation. Now, I happen to believe God knew everything that was going to happen, though he was already planning for it. But when God designed, he designed us to understand this perfect unity and connection and community. And he designed us to actually function like him in this beautiful holiness and how we behave and how we love and how we treat one another and what we do on and on and on. It got messed up. It got botched up. So today, when I think about this redemption effort, I think, and I'm so passionate about what the church needs to do in this redemptive e effort. Like what we need to do collectively as members of God's kingdom who claim Windover Hills and right up the road you heard the music going at Life Community and down the road at, at you know, another church and on and on, that we need to reclaim this, this redemption process and God wants to use the church for that. And how does he want to use it? Well, let me just share with you really quick uh, what I look at God's word and say this has to be a church these components have to exist or it's really not a church. And then I want to camp out on one because it actually fits in with where we're at coming back together today. The first thing a church has to do, it has to worship. A church has to be an entity that worships. Now, get out of your head the idea of worship being music. I realize in our contemporary church that like we've kind of pigeonholed that word worship to think about music. All right, we've created a whole genre of that called worship. In fact, you can actually go to colleges, Christian colleges now, and look up, and what is it called? It's called worship degrees or worship arts degrees, and they're most heavily centered around music. Now, again, nothing wrong with that, but we need to understand 
what God's word means when it says worship. It is how I, as we just sang, exalt God, how I lift him up. It's in my behavior, in my actions. That means when you stopped, just for a moment, when you stopped and you said, uh, you know, let me just bless you. Maybe you didn't use that word, but you did something that blessed somebody else. You just did an amazing act of worship. Now, we don't ever walk away and go, man, the Holy Spirit just fell and things like that. Like sometimes we speak about music, but it did. That act of worship, all of that encompasses worship. And a church has to be doing that, exalting God. A church has to be worshiping God with our actions. A church has to be worshiping God with how we sacrifice ourselves and surrender ourselves before God, letting his ways and his means take dominant place. Worship has to happen. It's priority. If worship isn't there, if we're not declaring the exalting of God with our words and with our actions, then we're really not a church if we're not declaring that and challenging and encouraging each other to do that. The second thing is the word community. This is especially important because that's what we've been saying about getting back together, right? We're like, man, I, I want to be in community with each other. A church has to have community. This community where we come together and we get to know each other and we build into one another's life. You've heard me say many times if you've been around the last nine years, nine and a half years since I've been here, uh, that the most impactful quote, one of the most impactful quotes ever for me in the issue of community came from Andy Stanley. And he said, Christian growth, spiritual growth almost always happens in community. Meaning you are most likely to grow in your spiritual walk when you are being challenged and encouraged by other Christians in your life. And there's a likelihood, it doesn't happen in every case, but there's a likelihood that if you do not surround yourself with other Christians that can build into you, you won't be growing in your Christian walk. Of course, there's exceptions in that, so don't take it as, as concrete rule. But in generalization, that holds true. I've been in ministry now 24 years, and I can see it plays out. The challenge of building into one another and having community with one another. That when life goes sideways, that somebody's there to care for you, to bless you. You've been doing that this week for the Sims family. In, in this moment of loss for them, a loss of an infant child, and you, you're doing that and you're reaching out. That's a portion of community. That's an aspect of community that the church does for one another. But then you have times where, like, you slip up a little, right, in your Christian walk. You just kind of, like, you get out of the habit of being around church or you're out of the habit of being in God's word. And somebody who has made a connection with you, maybe it's your accountability partner, somebody from your small group, just somebody you've made a connection, like, they kind of, you know, lovingly call you out on it. And they say, hey, you know, tell me what's going on here. You know, hey, I've been noticing this here. Let's talk about that. And there's this challenge that's put into your life. That is a component of community. And the list could go on. We don't have time to walk through it all. The church has to be investing in community. If we sit at home and we just watch on the screen, uh, right, and, and these, are, these are unique times. But in general, if we just choose to get things via them to me, it's not really the church. Now, if we had time, we could really walk through the, the New Testament and we could understand how the church grew and we could understand the role community played and how vital community was. I don't know if you know, but the Internet and the TV didn't exist back here in the early church days. So they, they got together face to face. 
and interacting with each other. Community was so important. And then finally, a church has to be about mission. Meaning that we're, we're not just here to say, I love you, God, exalt you, and man, I love hanging out with you guys. You guys are so awesome. And then we just go our way and we don't do anything about it. The church has to be about mission. That we're here with the purpose of getting out and going and sharing the good news of God. Now, I know you know this because remember last year, about this time, we did a survey. And you filled it out, a card on Sunday morning, and there was only two questions. One was the important question. The other question was just to get you engaged with the card. The important question asked is really, what is the purpose? And then role, if you remember, what is the purpose role of the church? And over 90% of you, you responded in some way, in some form, it is to share the gospel. It's to share Jesus Christ with other people. A church has to be about that. That has to be our mission, to share Jesus in all different ways, sometimes in preaching and sharing that way, sometimes in how just we love and care and bless, sometimes how we just keep our mouth shut and we listen and hear what somebody's going through so they can process. And then God gives us the words at the right time to share. All of this incorporates sharing God's word and sharing the good news of Christ with others. I'm going to tell you right now, there are so many churches across the nation that we've lost sight of mission. That We're still worshiping, we're still getting together and, and exalting, and we're still building community and relationships. And in fact, a lot of times when people plug into the church, it doesn't take too long before their most significant relationships, in some cases their only relationships, happen through the church. But we lose mission sometimes. This intentionality of going out and sharing. You see, as we've been talking to you the last couple years now about the concept of my one, the concept of my one is simply this, that you would intentionally build relationships. We're saying that specifically. We want you to hear it this way. You would intentionally build relationships with people for the purpose of sharing Jesus Christ. Listen, we don't want you to corner somebody and argue Jesus into them. It, it never really works that way. We're talking about real, genuine, loving relationships where you have this friendship and they have this friendship with you, but the door opens up for you to share Jesus Christ with them, what he's done in your life, who he is in your life. And if you're like, man, I don't really, I, I don't really know what he's done. I don't really know how I'd share your starting place is getting before God yourself and speaking with God and being reminded of who he is and what he's offered your life. So you have that to share. Mission is so incredibly important. But if we lived it out, we, we would know that really about 3% of people are engaged in mission. And far less than 1% ever actually lead somebody to Jesus Christ. But those three components are vital for the church. In fact, I would go so far to say this, that if you go into a church or say any group that says we're the church, and they don't have worship, and they don't have community, biblical community, and they don't have mission, they are not the church. That's not what a church is called to be. Or if they're church entitled, they've lost sight of something God has called the church to be absolutely certain of that when I look in scripture. So here's the question for me this morning is, 
if this holds true for churches collectively, if you can walk in the doors of a church or a gathering of a church and you could say, hey, one of these things doesn't exist. This church has lost sight of what it really means to biblically be the church. Does that hold true for Christians as well? For individual Christians, would we turn the spotlight on ourselves and say, am I worshiping God in word and action? Am I building community with people? Am I on mission myself, cho chosen to be part of mission myself? Are those absolutely vital to call myself Christian? As I look at God's word, I am absolutely certain God is leading every individual Christian into those three things just the same. Now, here's a little bit different road on individual is you're all at different spiritual stages. Some of you are like brand new to Christianity, and it's a little harder to come to you and say, yeah, where's your worship community mission, huh? You know, show me what you got. Put it on paper. That would not be right or fair. But let's just be honest, the rest of us who have been hanging out in church for a long time, and we've heard a lot of messages. In fact, you might be sitting here right now saying, goodness gracious, Tom, are you going to share the same message you've been sharing the last three years? I mean, that's really what you sound like this morning. And I would say, yes, I am. Because <laughs> it's that vital to who we are as individual Christians as well, that we would be worshiping, we would be building community, and we would be on mission, every single one of us doing that wherever God has put us. What gets in the way? Like what gets in the way for you personally, individually? What gets in the way with you really worshiping God, exalting him, lifting him up in your words and in your action? What gets in the way? Like what gets in the way in real deep community, which I want to talk about. I've learned that you, what really biblical community looks like we'll talk about in a minute. But what gets in the way of that? What gets in the way with mission? Like, what gets in the way of me being able to say, you know, if this is you, me being able to say, man, I've never led anyone to Jesus. Like, I've never even had a conversation where I've shared with them what the gospel is and what Jesus did for their life. What gets in the way of that? It's self. Self gets in the way of all of this. Self gets in the way of my worship. The self gets in the way of me wanting to declare with my words, right? I mean, you put me on a stage every week. I've got this 35 minutes, right? But could you just throw that out? I mean, I w I'd prefer you just throw that out and then follow the rest of my week. Self gets in the way sometimes of declaring the, my, my speech and my words to the exalting God. Self gets in the way of my actions, of when God has, I know, called me to do something. And I've said, ah, not today, Lord, I've got the law in the mow. Or whatever else the situation is, self gets in the way. Or that's just a little awkward. That's a bit out of my comfort zone to worship you in that way, Lord. Self gets in the way, is, does it not? Listen, it's not just you, it's me. It's, I mean, this, this is what gets in the way. Self gets in the way. Can I just camp out on community for a moment? I learned something. Um, just give me just a, a few minutes. I want to just give you a little baseball geek out for just a second here, all right? I know. Look, I can see your eyes rolling. Even though, like, you know it's not proper to roll your eyes, you know, I can see them in your head rolling. So, Harry, this is for you then because I know you, you, you enjoy any baseball story, all right? So I've been coaching and teaching 
baseball mechanics to people for years. Uh, some of you, are, you know that I, I'm a former college baseball coach, so I, I coached college for, for a number of years, coached high school for a number of years. Last seven years, I've, I've coached some high school ball in the afternoons during seasons as well. And teaching hitting mechanics, teaching somebody how to hit a baseball has been just part of my life, right? Some of you have something you build into others and teach others. And I've taught something for a long, long time. Now, again, just let me just geek out for a second, all right? I have taught for a long time to hold the bat above the elbow and make your first move downward to the baseball. I probably have taught that to people, literally 300, 400 different individuals, and I've taught that. And so uh, you're in quarantine, I'm in quarantine, all right? So what does that mean? I'm watching a lot of, uh, uh, of the uh, Major League Baseball Network, old games. You know, I, I know, you probably are too, so you probably know what I'm talking about. And I'm watching this, and it just dawns on me as I'm watching these games, and I'm watching these players, and I have the ability to actually kind of pause because they're all, you know, old games, and look at some. I'm like, I don't know if I've seen one single great hitter in baseball hold their hands up and go down to the ball. I'm looking, and every single one of them drops them here and starts either level or upward to the ball. And I'm like, something's got to be off here, right? I mean, because I've been teaching this my whole life, 20 years of baseball coaching, I've been teaching this, right? And so I started to look up some of these hitting gurus, these private hitting coaches, and guess what I found? In these five or six guys, every single one of them teaches to drop down below the shoulder in some slot and start level or upwards. I'm like, man, what an idiot I've been teaching baseball all this time. I mean, it made perfectly good sense to me to start down to the ball, the quickest move, you know, straight to the ball, one line. And why would I drop down and then come up? That sounds like extra work. But they broke down all the science, which I won't do for you this morning, and it's actually faster, and the body rotates better, more bat speed. Like, oh, I never knew that. Never knew that. Listen, why do I even share that story? No reason. I just wanted you to know it this morning. So, no, it has a purpose. Like, I think most of us, when we read God's word and we think about the word community, the reason we get caught up and we don't enjoy biblical community is because of this. We center biblical community, or we center community, the word community, around self. That's how we've read it. That's just what we've thought when we've said community. It's not like we're intentionally trying to be selfish. You know, it's not like I'm looking and saying, what's in it for me in every decision I make. But we've built community around kind of this is it comfortable for me? Do I like that person? Do I like that situation? Is there kind of a mutual back and forth, you give, I give kind of thing? We kind of think about community in these terms. You think I'm wrong? Think now about who are you most connected with, either at church or in your neighborhood or in your other social groups, you know? Who are you most connected with? And then ask yourself, do you like them? Do you enjoy your time with them? Is there, is there something pleasant when you get together? Or is there something mutual when you get together? Or at very least, is there something that you get in return for what you give or vice versa? That's normally knee-jerk how we build community. It's how it happens. Which means, if you kind of annoy me a bit, you know, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, everybody, we'll all be pleasant at the door, right? But if outside of that, I'm kind of like, nah, hmm. That means like community, my understanding of community allows me to say, I'm not going to build anything deeper or further with you. I'm letting that go. 
because I'm going to build it around people that it, I enjoy. It's comfortable. It connects. It's, it, it makes sense. But here's the thing. When I read biblical community, when I've read what God is talking about and how people actually grew together in the New Testament, in the early church, the book of Acts especially, that is not the community I see. That develops, but that's not where it starts. This community actually starts different. The community actually starts with me looking and saying, how can I bless you? How can I serve you? How can I build into you? What can I do for you? It, it, it pushes me to say, what's going on in your life? How can I understand your circumstances? How can I have empathy for who you are and what you're going through and how you process and what your past has done for you and what it's brought you to today? It causes me to ask those questions. And the answer to those questions leads me to action. It leads me to how I love you and how I interact with you and how I serve you. And in that, this relationship is built. That's what I see in God's word. It's how we're pushed. If we read just the words of Paul, Paul constantly is pushing people in this direction. That's biblical community. Now, here's the thing. We all want to be together. Like, I mean, you're here this morning because you wanted to come together. You wanted to be out here, right? You wanted community. And I know, I don't know how it goes. I mean, I, I, I read all 73 of your surveys that we sent off. I read all the responses that you wrote. And it is like this. Take a big uh, handful of pebbles and just spin and fling them and watch how many directions. That's what your surveys told me about what your thinking is about COVID and where we're at and how we get back together and how what should we do and when should we have indoor services and when should we not and all those kind on and on and on. Here's what I think. No matter what you're comfortable going out and doing, church, store, whatever, none of us want to spread a virus to anyone else, right? Like nobody is sitting here this morning, I don't think, right? If you do, let me know and we'll have a conversation. But none of you are like, I really would like to go out and spread this, you know? Or none of you are saying like, I don't know if I have it, but, you know, um, whatever, if somebody gets, if I did have it and somebody gets it, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I, that's not your heart. That's not my heart. That's nobody's heart, right? But we're like, we don't quite know. We don't quite know what impact we're having on others and what uh, impact they're having uh, on us. And so it leads us to have all of these different understandings or opinions or thoughts about where we go and what we do from here on out. You know, I look at what's going on just in this week and what even it hit Greensboro last night with some, some protests and, and some civil unrest uh, there. And I look at that and I'm telling you, none of us, not one of you, I, I know you well, none of us want to walk around and say, you know, like, yeah, I'd really like to be biased. I'd really like to spread prejudice. I'd like to treat people that way. You know, like, I know you. And that's not, that's not your heart, that's not your intent, that's not anything. But as I've learned more, I look at it and I think, you know what, sometimes self gets in my way and I don't realize, I don't realize what, I don't realize what my friends have walked through. I don't realize somebody else's perspective, somebody else's life, somebody else's world. Community tells me this. It doesn't say excuse everything. 
So don't hear me wrong. But it says, know what somebody else is going through. Understand who they are. Empathize with them to the best of your ability. And whatever that tells you to do, then act on that and serve them and bless them and stand with them and help them, whoever that may be. The Bible leads us a lot of time to those poor and destitute and cast out and lonely and widows and on and on. It use words like this. But if you clump those all together, you will see the marginalized would be that word. And it causes us to reach out and to ask these questions about how we would serve and bless. And out of that, these great relationships are built. That is biblical community. Can I just tell you something? Uh, I'd love to tell you as your pastor, that is so easy for me. Like, I don't ever struggle with any of that. But it's not true. Uh, I struggle with it just the same as you probably do as well. I have to intentionally challenge myself to say, Tom, get beyond this. There was an hour put in the Bible in Genesis 1:26. Let us make an hour. You go become an hour as well. With that person who you otherwise would never be an hour, you go become an hour with that person. But God, I don't connect with that person. I don't even happen to agree with that person. So what? Is what God says. You go build a connection with that person. This biblical community is powerful. And then this word mission. This is an interesting word, and we'll, we'll kind of close on this. For the individual. You see, uh, when we talk about uh, the first two things, worship and community, you know, the, we, I, we very much understand this concept of I need to worship God and I want to worship God. In fact, sometimes we even push against the church or stay away from the church because the way I want to worship maybe doesn't line up with the church. And so we, we think very individual sometimes, especially in our, our modern day American culture. In community, we think very individual as well. We just talked about why, because, you know, I, I, it's, you know, what's comfortable for me in relationship. But we flip it when it comes to the word mission. When it comes to the word mission, what we know is the church is supposed to be about mission. So somebody in the church, go out and do it. And then I'll celebrate you when you've done it. And we don't intend to say that. But that is just the bottom line of how the church across our nation has functioned for the most part when it comes to mission. So if somebody at the church is getting it done and we're celebrating that person, we're all on mission together. And in a sense we are. But in reality, God has called you and me, all of us as individuals, to be on mission. Every single one of us to go out and to share Jesus Christ with other people. Yeah, but I don't know that much. Yeah, I just don't know the Bible very well. Okay, why not? You've got access to it. You can read. Yeah, not that good though, huh? All right, have it read to you. Whatever. Getting in God's word and learning God's word and this opportunity to share. You know a few people, right? Do you know how many times just in the last nine years somebody's come to me and said, Tom, I really want to share the gospel with my neighbor and my friend. Will you tell me how? Very few. Maybe three? You know someone to go to. There's these opportunities to go share Jesus and be on mission. And so don't sit back and wait for the church to do it. We're going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep preaching it. You go do it. You go be on mission. Here's the beauty. You get going in worship. 
God will lead you into proper biblical community. When you get into proper biblical community, when you start to see connecting with other people, not just for your own needs or your own comforts, but for who they are and how God has led you, man, the opportunities for mission just fly right open for you to be able to share Jesus Christ because of all these opportunities, because of these relationships that have opened up. But Tom, I don't know even where to go to do that. Can I tell you something? You're probably already there. You probably don't have to find a new place. You probably go to a gym and do that. You probably have this network of people on the sports team your kids are on, right? You probably have this interaction of coworkers. Somewhere down the line, you're probably already there. Just build those relationships and then share mission. Let me go ahead and, and kind of close down here. Um, I, I probably shared longer than I expected, so a little bit of, uh, of, of going off this morning on, in different areas. Apologize, but, but let me pray for you, and here's what I want to do as I pray. There are so many directions for you to apply everything we talked about this morning, especially in the way of community. Here's what I want you to do. When we're praying now, I want you to specifically ask question, this, these questions. One is this. God, would you reveal to my heart, my eyes right now, how do I really worship you? How do I really honor and lift you up? Is it an hour service on Sunday morning? Is it an area? I think right away God will reveal areas in your life of deficiency in this area. He's done it to me, even as I've been working on this message this week. Second question, who have I bypassed community and relationships with because I thought it was uncomfortable? Who have I bypassed that? Just was a little awkward, a little uncomfortable. I don't really like them. And so I just bypassed, didn't even consider, didn't even go to God and say, God, is there anything you want me to build here? Is there anything you wanted me to understand in this person? Or did you bypass that? Did you have preconceived opinions already that prevented you from even seeing things like that and building community? Who is it you've bypassed? And here's the third. Just quite simple. Mission. Who is it that God wants you, you individually, to share Jesus Christ with? Who is it? Think about it in this way. Uh, I don't know that this is true, but think about it in terms that if there was, if God was saying, look, nobody else is going to do it. I've only called you to reach that person. Who's God put on your heart? Who's popped up? Who's right in front of you and you know it, even if you don't even want to do it with that person? Those are the questions you ask yourself. God, reveal to me. Reveal to me how I worship you. Who have I bypassed in community? And who is it? by name, that you want me to share Jesus Christ with. Let's pray. Father, I think of the, the song we sang. I, I think of that song, Waymaker. And Lord, it, I, Lord it, I, sometimes when I hear a song brand new, I'm kind of like, uh, like all of us, I, I go like, yeah, I like that song. I don't like that song. And God, you know, <laughs> that song first came on the radio. I was like, I don't know if I like that song. But, Father, it was almost like a forced discipline to just keep listening to Caleb, and it came on over and over, Lord. And, Father, you, you not only changed my heart on the song, Lord, you led my heart on the message 
Lord, that there are ways that myself gets in the way of worshiping, myself gets in the way of building community, biblical community, myself gets in the way of mission. There's times where I'm like, I don't even know how I would do that, Lord. And then that little word, I'm the way maker. Like I, I, all I need is your willingness, Tom, and I will create a way for all of it. So ask yourself this morning, what has God been leading you on? You just said no, but he wants to create a way. He wants to lead you into real worship of him. He wants to create a way of building community. I don't know, you might this morning, you might be thinking, like, I, I don't even know how I would do that. You know, right now when we, we look at this, this disconnect that we've been a part of this week, this racial disconnect, Father, you're the way maker. And I believe, Lord, there's a new perspective that we need to have. Specifically, specifically us, Lord, that don't understand that journey. You're the way maker, Lord. But it will only start when we have a willing heart to say, I want to build biblical community. I want to start not with what is convenient and comfortable to me, but Father, what can I do to bless and serve that person? And how can I understand who they are? How can I hear their story? And then, Lord, mission. Who is it, Lord? Who is it that you specifically said, this person is yours, these people are yours, go share Jesus with them. I'm not sending anyone else, I'm sending you. Go build the relationship and share Christ. I don't even know how I do that with some people, Lord. You're the way maker. You'll provide the way if we would just follow you from the beginning, worship, community, mission. So, Lord, lead us in that direction. Lord, we look forward to the day where every week we're coming to this building and we're gathering and we're worshiping you uh, together in this way. And we're, we're speaking about community and we're sending each other out to do mission. But, Lord, until then, the church is not closed. Send us to do these things. We pray in your son's name.